Hey, welcome. Welcome to Nice Work, podcast of the Super Nice Club, where we are with you trying to make the world a little bit nicer. This week's episode, mm, if you have a small business and you're struggling during COVID, or even if you're not struggling, or even if you don't have a small business, <laughs> this episode is for you. Uh, you'll have to wade through some subpar audio quality. So quick disclaimer, uh, my MacBook, it uh, bricked. It bricked uh, in the middle of trying to record with our guest, Chris Davis, which left me uh, without notes, having to do this on Zoom, which is not good on a mobile phone, scrambling and kind of a little bit flustered. Uh, but Chris, he kind of saved the day with his, with, with what? With his intellect, his wits and his charm. Uh, in a former life, Chris, he was a master bondsman. Do they call them that? Or is it, is it bondage men? Bondage people? Not sure. Anyway, he helped people make money and stuff. And he was really good at it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was all ethical, or at least mostly ethical. Actually, I'm not sure. We did not, we did not get into that. Hmm. Anyway, once he dropped out of his, his easy life of bondage and the, the BDSM world, he dropped into an old passion, his first passion. And he did it with some real bravery. He took a leap of faith in himself and in his family who helped support his new venture. And he became, uh, well, the success that he is now in his niche community, which I'll let him explain to you. The, the reason why I think this is so valuable is because Chris does such a great job of just being real and putting himself first to build his business and doing it in a way where he very organically leverages social media to become sort of a, a, a true recognized expert, authority, and someone that, uh, I can't say a certain word, you'll understand later, but he's a, right? Almost a, I would say he's a micro, yeah. Okay, I, I hope you're figuring it out. Anyway, if you wanna learn or get some inspiration on how to, at no extra cost to you, leverage some social media to make the world a nicer place as well as boost your, your business connections in just a, a very earnest way. Just listen up, listen in. Okay, that's enough of that. I also, of course, am hoping that you'll be interested in checking out the Super Nice Club, okay? Superniceclub.com, that's where you can go to find out everything we do. We're just at Super Nice Club on the, the Instagram or Facebook. We don't do the, the talk talk or any of that. You can text us as well. That's right. I almost forgot. You can text us to become a Super Nice Club Insider. Uh, that's basically a place where I give away free stuff. That's 310-421-0393. Text 310-421-0393. And, uh, you know, you get stuff. You get stuff. Text, what should you text to that number? Um, how about the word nice? I know. I pretty, I dug pretty deep for that one. Text nice to that number and, and see what happens. Uh, okay, so turn off everything else, tune out the rest of the world, and drop in to Nice Work with Chris Davis. Oh, I was going to do a musical intro where I just I use non-copyrighted material, so I just make it up with my, with my mouth. Like, okay, here
Does that work? I mean, I don't have to pay for it. That's the cool part about it. <laughs> Chris Davis. Chris Davis, thank you so much for, for joining us here on Nice Work. Good morning slash after, well, it's afternoon. You're in Ohio, right? It's afternoon, yeah. Thanks for going through the last half hour of technical difficulties in which my Mac laptop, it, it bricked. Uh, so we're doing this a little bit different <laughs> way, and hopefully this sounds all right and that the uh, content is so riveting that nobody will care that the fidelity might be just a little bit lower than, than we typically aim for. Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. And uh, as a technician, uh, pretty much you plan for everything going wrong because it usually does. So this is pretty much normal for me. So, <laughs> uh, Well, we did it. We did it. We're here. We're talking. I really just kind of want to introduce what you do at, at your business at Lower 48 Instruments. So let's just start there. Talk about Lower 48 Instruments. Talk about yeah. what got you into that space because it's a pretty, it's a pretty specific space. Yeah, it is. So um, my story is interesting. Uh, I mean, everybody's got an interesting story, but mine's a little Not bit true. unusual. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I started in this business when I was 14. Uh, I worked for a, a ex-Navy a pipe fitter uh, who was an instrumentation tech. He hired me to sweep his floors. And, uh, you know, I swept his floors, kept the shop clean. And uh, not very long after, he's like, you know, man, he goes... Uh, he said, uh, you do not deserve to be sweeping my floors. He goes, uh, how would you like to learn this business? So um, he taught me the business. And uh, I ended up owning uh, part of that business, split it off. Then after a while, fell in love, got married. Uh, wife didn't like me being on the road. So I sold that, got out of it, and uh, went back to school. Ended up uh, managing institutional money for the next 20 years. And then uh, we went through a divorce, which was sad, but uh, part of the uh, good thing that came out of it, as usually you can find something good and all the bad, was that I really thought about my life and kind of what I was doing and decided that I didn't want to die inside of an office. So I uh, looked at getting back into what I started at, which is instrumentation and controls. Here I am. <laughs> so worked for another company and did that for a while and then uh, ended up... Uh, Literally on a Friday, um, after they were just pulling some shenanigans, uh, decided that I just couldn't work for them anymore and made a decision mm -hmm. to go off on my own. And so on a Friday, I made the decision. By Monday, I was registered in the state. By uh, Wednesday of that week, everything was up and going, and uh, that was it. You have that a classic arc of sort of going into the corporate cubicle world, getting sick of it, decided to go back to what you were originally interested in? Yeah, to, to an extent. I mean, I really wasn't sick of it. I did very well. Bought a beautiful house for me and did all kinds of things. Um, I've told people this a lot that I'm lucky now, right? I'm really, really, really very fortunate uh, because I'm doing what I love. But you can learn to love what you do as well. And uh, so I learned to love what I did. And I was very good at it. But I also knew in the back of my mind that if I had the opportunity to do something different, that it would definitely not be that. <laughs> uh, right. It definitely was not going to be inside of an office environment for me. And it was because of the seismic change that came through divorce that it gave me the opportunity to kind of reassess everything. When I did, I said, uh, I want to be outside as much as possible. And what would that look like? And I've always had a technical mind or, uh, you know, kind of a bent in terms of my personality. What would that look like? And uh, so the more that I went through that, I thought, you know what? I loved instrumentation and control. I want to be back in the game. So I did. It's interesting, the divorce 
aspect. It's something that if you're out there and you're going through a divorce right now, uh, first of all, sorry, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult time and nobody has good advice for you. So just, no. you know, uh, but everybody <laughs> wants doctor advice to use. So listen to it and smile and be grateful that everybody wants to tell you their divorce stories, uh, except for the horror stories. Don't listen to those. Uh, ignore those. Um, but it is great that during divorce, one thing to sort of, um, I don't know about look forward to, but one thing to, to consider is that it is an opportunity to really do a big reassessment of where you're at. You know, it's a, it's a reset button. It's not a clean, easy reset button for a lot of folks. It's certainly full of sadness and guilt and anger and, and lawyers sometimes. Um, but if in the midst of all that, you can remember uh, that there's an opportunity here to reframe a lot of elements of your life. Maybe it's not your career. Maybe it's not your career. Maybe it's, it's something else, you know, your routine, um, your relationship with, with your friends, with your children, with yourself. Divorce does offer a lot of chances for amazing growth. So if you're out there going through it, don't forget that because sometimes it might not feel that way. Yeah, I agree. I had a, uh, a friend of mine who was, uh, who went through a divorce about three years before me and, uh, he was, he gave me the best advice advice ever. He said, you know what? He goes throughout the process, this is going to take time. He's like, so just understand that it's going to suck. And it's going to suck for a long time. He said, but he said, if you take that time that you have, that you're going through that suck and you embrace it, and then you use that, um, kind of negative energy to propel yourself towards working on yourself he said, in the end, you're going to come out on the, on the other side of it. Okay. You know, I, I've told this people a gazillion times and it's like, I, I wish that I wouldn't have went to the divorce, right? It's terrible. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I had an opportunity and uh, I took the opportunity to kind of work on myself a bit and came out on the other side and yeah, it's okay. You know, it's not perfect, but it's okay. I really like when I came to know you, you know, through, through Instagram, uh, I really liked, I'm like, who is this guy? He's super interesting. He's doing work in an industry that I know nothing about and I have zero interest in because I know nothing about it. <laughs> um, flow meters and, and waters and tools and, and electrical things. And he's posting on this. Here he is doing this thing. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? I don't understand, but it's kind of cool. But your passion about it and your humor and in your approach to it kind of pulled me in. I'm like, this is interesting. And, you know, I know, I know more about flow meters than I am. Well, that doesn't take much, right? Uh, to know more than I used to. But hey, um, you're aware now, right? The community that you're part of, a bunch of people that are really into tools. Um, yeah. And That's accidental, by the way. The, the tool, is it? Yeah, I wanted to get it's into totally that. totally accidental. If you're a small business owner out there, and maybe you're the rare person that doesn't have a lot of knowledge about flow meters, Uh, so you're listening to this anyway, what Chris has done has been pretty impressive and it's something that, that maybe you'll have some interest in. And what I mean by that is he's built online primarily through Instagram. Is that correct? Or do you do other social media that I'm not aware of? No, actually, uh, the primary stuff that I do is through our company website. Uh, that's where most, yeah, company website, blog, um, Instagram was actually, not an accident. It was my, uh, at the time, 20 year old daughter saying, you dad, you got to get on Instagram. You know, it's going to capture more of the younger engineers and this and that. And mm-hmm. I had pretty much no interest. I had an account, but I think I had like two posts or something, you know, it was just, right. 
did it randomly and then just dropped out. And uh, she's like, no, you really need to go on there because it'll expose a completely different audience to what you do. So I said, fine. Um, you know, I'm not such a uh, stick in the mud that I can't take advice from a 20 year old, especially my daughter. And, uh, and I did it and I jumped on and uh, it just kind of grew mainly through the tool usage. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what has expanded it, but it's been super interesting picked up uh, about a half dozen clients off of Instagram, not mm-hmm. intentionally. It just happened. One incredibly important business partner from overseas that uh, I've been over to and we're working together now. And all of that stuff happened because of Instagram. So net net, um, real happy that uh, I listened to her because uh, and yeah. forget about the business, just the opportunity for community involvement has been huge. Um, I reconnected yeah. with you guys because of this. You know, way, way back in the day, I think you were on Facebook, maybe I found you. It was maybe Facebook mm-hmm. or something else that I came across the Super Nice Club years ago, like back when you had the cards. And mm-hmm. uh, then I just kind of checked out, lost touch, et cetera. And somehow, boom, here we are on Instagram again. And so we're back connected around. and talking. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm able to get kind of clued into some of the really good things that are going on with the community that I wouldn't have had access to without Instagram. So pretty neat, pretty neat thing. So if you go onto Instagram and check out lower underscore 48, number four, number eight, lower underscore 48, no idea what that reference is to lower 48 must be a tool thing. Um, That's also my daughter. Yeah, was it? Uh, she came up with that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Right. If you Friday go on to that. I decided to, uh, to check out of uh, the company I was with, we sat yeah. down and she was talking about it. She's like, what are you going to call the company? I'm like, honey, I said, I have no idea. I said, I just know this is what I need to do. She goes, well, she goes, you need to uh, call it lower 48 because you cover the entire lower 48. I was like, yep, sounds good. <laughs> so no. the, company, the company was named uh, after a quick phone conversation on the back of a napkin, literally. So That's great. So go yeah. to lower underscore 48 and you'll see the posts there. Uh, there's a, there's a, just a, a bright and positive and fun and funny community. Uh, the posts in response to, to pictures of, you know, screwdrivers, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what's your favorite tool story? Things like that. What was the one that you did yesterday? What's your favorite tool modification story? Like something yeah. you've done to modify a tool, yeah. right? To make it work for Now you. that might, this is because this is a, a, a niche industry that Chris is engaging with in just a really real way. There's no marketing here. There's no master plan. It's nope. just a genuine human who's clearly passionate about the industry that he's in, relating that cleanly with some smarts. I will say your hashtag game is fantastic. You know, I've, you. I've been studying your hashtag game. Uh, and then also you do great chats. You bring on people to share uh, uh, the sort of lightly interview. What do you call those? Just, I just call them lives. I mean, I haven't came up with any I'm going to go live with, with, with Michelle yeah. McNamara Friday at 2 o'clock, right? And it's a yeah, free whoever. tool available on internet. People show up, you give away stuff that's laying around your shop, right? And it's fun and it's great. And here's the thing. And I know, you know, pre-show you told me how icky the term micro-influencer is and how I'm not going to use it when it comes to you. So I'm not going to use the term (laughs) micro-influencer to describe what you're doing. Because really influencers, we equate with people who have, you know, zero influence on the real world, right? Bouncing around on beaches and going on glamping vacations, but... But, but, but I'll challenge you because the word influence 
disassociated from these, these vapid egoists is pretty powerful. And I think yeah. it's fair to say that your humanity, your joy for your profession, your deep dedication to helping your peers, which is obvious, you know, through your, through your uh, social feed, adds up to having influence, okay? And, Maybe not and, over, but in harmony with your chosen uh, sphere, no, all right? And it does. I just hate that name, uh, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tell you something. I'll, I'll share, you, share this with you. Then We haven't even chatted about this before, but so I took a, uh, a little leave of absence from Instagram for a couple of weeks, just needed some headspace, and business was just crazy stuff. I checked off and uh, gave it over to my assistant more or less just put post up there. So I'd send her, you know, some pictures and description or whatever. It was, it blew my mind. It was so humbling because um, some people started going, you know, where is Chris? Is he alive? You know, blah, blah, blah. It was kind of funny, but at the same time, I had so many different messages forwarded to me from my assistant going, you know, Hey, just wanted to check in, make sure you're okay, buddy. You know, hope everything is well with you. Stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And I mean, not just a couple, I mean, hundreds And uh, so that really was very humbling because at that moment, I really did kind of realize, and this has just been uh, not even maybe a couple months ago, it really struck me at that point that what I have to say actually is influencing people and it's making a Mm -hmm. difference. Um, There was kind of a joke hashtag going around called Chris made me do it. And uh, it was all about, you know, stupid tools and and not stupid. Uh, they're, They're good tools, but it was just related to the fact that, you know, I was reviewing these tools and people wanted them. Right. So Chris made me do it. And uh, so it's kind of joking, but I found that it's actually a lot deeper than that. And uh, so it's, it's been really humbling actually to find out what kind of an influence I have had on people. So I've taken a little bit more of a, I don't want to say serious approach, but kind of doubled down on the idea of trying to convey some things that are important to me and uh, Mm -hmm. convey those other people because they're listening so I have a responsibility to them to, you know, even as I mean, I'm, not, I'm nobody, right? I got like, I don't even know, 10,000 followers, maybe less, I, somewhere around there. It's not a huge, you know, big 300,000 or a million count thing or whatever. But for those people who do follow me and who pay attention, uh, I kind of owe it to them to give them something good. And uh, that's the whole thing about at least once a week, I'll drop in a, uh, tell me something good in my stories and encourage Mm -hmm. people to tell me something that's good that's going on in their life. Maybe something stupid, simple, like, uh, you know, my dog uh, started eating again or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it's important to them. And I share that. So, like I said, it goes back to that whole notion of, I found this kind of interesting community. And uh, so I'm just trying to serve them, man. That's, that's what it's all about for me. Well, the humanity really shines through. And, you know, you can say you only have X number of followers or whatever, but the engagement that you have is, is 10 times, uh, you know, you're punching way above your weight, so to speak. If you are, again, if you're a small business owner and you can just sort of take a look at lower underscore 48 as a model for you, provided that you're a, a decent person. You know? um, and, and, and I'm trying, Todd. To, I'm trying. Not you. The listeners. I'm hoping the listeners are mostly decent people. At least better. You know, it is just a fantastic way to dive into social media in a way that isn't just this terrible pressure of, you know, you got to post every day. You have to do advertising. You have to make sure that your that each post is is designed by a graphic designer and looks sharp, and you're worrying about every word that you type and 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 trying to sell. Chris never sells 
never sells lower 48 on this feed, by the way. It's the name of the feed, no. and you'll see it in his link tree. Again, a little bit of savvy there. Uh, but he doesn't sell the business, doesn't need to. This approach is a great one for anyone with a small business where you have a, you're in a niche, you're in a field that is easily defined. I just, I'm going to keep repeating myself here. Take a look at his Instagram feed and learn some lessons there. COVID is rough. All right. rough, man. Most of us are, are broke. We're suffering. We're doing everything we can to reach out to our customers if we have customers or to get work or whatever. The mix of expertise, uh, I'm going to say it, uh, marketing savvy, although it's just organic and natural, uh, and humanity in this feed is a great blueprint. All right. I think, I think we've got that. I think, I think I've really hammered it in. Are we clear on that? I'll add this this real quick. So my approach to Instagram, to my business, to my marketing, everything else, it's the same approach that I've taken since back in the day when I first started uh, on the bond desk. You know what? I just talked to people. I wanted to know what was going on with them, uh, what it is that they need, and how can I help them get what they need? It's not. It's not about me at the end of the day, and I don't know. I, I think a lot of people get caught up in – I need to have the money, right? Or I need to have the car, the, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. But then that's really becoming about you. And the moment you start centering yourself all about you, you lose that focus for the reason that people are paying you, right? The people aren't paying you so that you can go get a bigger house, a bigger car, a bigger bank account. That's not why they're doing it. They're paying you because they want to work with you uh, because they want to, have their problems solved and you're there to help them out. Uh, you're help, there to help them out connecting with other people. You're helping them to, you know, buy a particular product they need, whatever the case is, it doesn't matter. But, you know, people who are trying to sell things and they're trying to sell themselves in a non-real way. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And so, and it shouldn't work. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it does. And then, you know, you have everybody else trying to chase that same tail. In my opinion, and in my experience, if you want to have, a, peace for yourself at night when you lay your head down, and B, uh, you want to have a very, very excited client base, it's help them out. Make it about them and not you. And, you know, my Instagram page is about me just doing silly shenanigans, helping my clients out. And it's just what I'm doing. And then I engage people about it and I talk to them about what's going on with them. You know, how can I help them out? Can I help you find a particular tool? Can I help you find a particular solution? Do you need an uh, engineer? I got engineers all over the company, country I work with. You know, what can I help connect you with? Tool manufacturers, I've helped them out. Uh, we've chatted about kind of what their <laughs> approach to Instagram looks like. And in my opinion, some of them sucked and I let them know about it. And uh, so I've actually seen some tool manufacturers change the way that they're doing things on Instagram because of conversations we've had. Now, did that do anything for me? No, but it helped them out. And you know what? Mm -hmm. I have vehicles full of incredible quality German tools, uh, American tools, Japanese tools. And that's all come from me just helping somebody else out. It's not yeah. about me. It's not about how great I am. It's about me helping the people out. And that's, you know, that's what I'm here for, man. That's what I'm, that's the reason I'm on earth. That's what I believe. So. You sound a lot like my dear friend and the nice work podcast. Very first guest, Jeremy Forcier. Jeremy is, you know, in the top one-tenth of 1% of his field in, in the world. His mantra, and he, what he'll start almost every conversation with you, even as a friend, 
or yeah, you know, friend, client, anything I can help you with. But the thing is, you can tell he means it, right? And it doesn't always necessarily mean, can I help you in this world? Can I help you get a loan, home loan? He's, he's a loan officer. Whatever it is. Who, who gives a damn? You know, Jeremy's like, I really enjoy helping people feel safe and secure getting into their home, especially first-time home buyers, because they're scared. And this is an opaque process. And a lot of people get ripped off. It fills my heart with happiness. When I get them in there, I know that they couldn't have gotten a better deal. And I know that they know it and they feel comfortable and confident. And yeah. they're going to go have a family now in that house. It's awesome. You know, but sometimes when he asks, what can I help you with? You're like, oh man, you know, I'm just trying to figure out where to eat. And they're like, oh, you know what? I'm over at Session Sedge Taco Truck. Come on down. I'll buy a burrito. Right? And it's got nothing to do with anything. It's just, what can I help you with? I can fix that and make it happen. It's a great thing to ask, not just people in business, because you're hoping for a quid pro quo. And I think this gets back to what you were saying earlier. That's what I'm you're saying. hoping for the quid pro quo, people will smell that. Plus, it's just not cool. No. Helping is fulfilling. It's, it's the heart of the Super Nice Club. If we all just had an attitude like that, I think we'd be 9.2% closer to the 10% nicer world that we're looking for. You know, yeah. it, that would be a, it'd be a big, a big piece of it. Yeah, I would say that's just it too, is that if you go into a relationship trying to figure out what it is you're going to get out of them, then mm -hmm. that's not actually you doing anything nice or you being a genuine relationship. That's just you looking for some kind of business. And, um, yeah. you know, businesses are everywhere. You know, we've got tons of choice for that. So I don't ever want to be in a business that's, you know, I happen to work and I happen to do instrumentation control. I happen to own the company, but I'm not necessarily in business. I'm here to help my clients out. You know, and that's what I want to do. I want to help them. And if I help them in the right way and I'm doing the right thing for them, then they're going to take care of me. But I'm not in it to go get that next contract or go get that next, you know, appointment. And that's not really what it's about. It's just about helping people out. Just so happens that I'm very fortunate I can do that. And uh, I've been provided for very well by my clients, but that's just not what it's about for me. So amen to that. Um, I want to go back to what you were talking about a second ago. Let's just go back in time in Chris Davis's life to you were working, uh, you, you got out of bonds, you were working yeah. for a company and it was a Friday and you had a moment where you said, you know what, this is a cool company, but I want to do this. I want to do this my way. I want to start my own company. And you said that you had that done within four days. You had the papers done and you were launched yeah. the following Wednesday. I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to dive into that moment though on that Friday when you decided, when you made the decision, I'm out and I'm going to, I'm going to take the big leap into my own thing. What was that moment like? No, right after I puked, um, then I <laughs> thought, okay, what am I going to do next? And, uh, so, uh, you know, I quit, I flat out quit and, uh, it wasn't a reaction to a moment. We won't chat about why that is because, and uh, so it was a reaction to a series of moments and uh, was, the company just wasn't doing the right thing. Again, sleeping at night is pretty important to me. I get not enough of that already. So, so the next thing that uh, I did was think about how am I going to do this and, you know, what am I going to do? You know, so going back to all of my years of experience and managing money and helping people out with that, I said, okay, you know, I've got to do things the right way. So we got to go through the registration processes. We got to go through, you know, setting it up, setting up up the website, all the stuff that had to be done. And it was just a matter of just checklists. Um, I'm very checklist driven um, as a person. 
And uh, so, you know, sat down, wrote out my list and just started knocking it off one by one. What's cool about doing that is that it actually took my mind off of that fear and that pukey feeling and mm-hmm. gave me something to go after. Uh, you know, it was about accomplishing all these tasks as quickly as I could to get things up and going so that, you know, my family didn't have, you know, any kind of ramifications from my doing it. You know, I wanted to make mm-hmm. that as seamless as possible. So yeah. that, that was pretty much it. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I made a decision. And that's one of, I think, the things in life that's led to a lot of my success is that if I make a decision, then I just make it. It's just done. Uh, there's no, there's no, oh, gee, maybe I should go do something else. And, oh, crap, it's just, no, I'm going to make the decision. I do it. And then uh, I am absolutely persistent. Um, so once I uh, lock onto something, I just don't give up on it. So, so Friday you decided to quit and then you yeah. busied yourself with the action of the, the next thing and never yeah. gave yourself time to question it, to be afraid nope. of it, to look down, you know, as you cleared the, the gap there, you didn't look up until you landed. Exactly. And you exactly. probably still was... haven't really looked up, right? <laughs> You're probably still burying yourself on a daily basis. Yeah, that's, that's my personality. Um, so yeah. part of it is just keeping at a high activity level. Mm-hmm. I'm 50 and I joke around about it, but it's true. Um, I wear 30 year olds out, um, you know, guys that work with me, they're like, Oh my God, we got to stop. You know, let's take lunch. Let's, you know, Oh, you know, it's eight o'clock at night. We got to stop. And the answer is no, we work until it's done. Uh, because of the work that we do, you know, we can have a city shut down of water. Uh, we can, have a wastewater plant backing uh, waste up into their retention ponds. And, you know, it's an extreme amount of pressure sometimes when you shut an entire plant down. Manufacturing plants uh, that are, you know, are doing mining, it's costing them, you know, a million dollars an hour. Uh, mm-hmm. When you do something like that, <laughs> there's, there's just no other thing to do than just to do it. And so that's my personality. I've done it. I keep doing it. And yeah, I'm not looking down. So we're back. I love it. That's great. That's, let's change gears a little bit into yeah. uh, the topic of tool porn um, <laughs> or more, more fully, more fully tool pornography. This is, this is, this is safe for work conversation. You don't need to mute. Anything. Absolutely. Um, no. it, it does get a little sexy. I have, I have started sure. to appreciate, um, you know, your, your uh, uh, friends, peers, followers, fans who are listening to this. A lot of you are, are, are fetishists. Okay. You're going to have to admit this. You have a serious fetish for beautifully arranged <laughs> tools assorted into tool chests with custom formed foam. You guys geek out over the type of foam, how you cut the foam. I, I mean, it's incredible and kind of cool, kind of really cool. That whole world of tool porn, is there, is there a king or a queen of tool porn out there? In terms of uh, the level of OCD that gets applied <laughs> know, to man. doing it. I'm just making this up as I go. Yeah. Well, so funny, for funny story. And it's also true. Um, I am mostly colorblind. So the stuff that uh, a lot of people are just, Oh, wow. Look at these colors and that it doesn't mean as much to me. Um, right. Okay. So my love for the types of tools that I use actually comes down almost all the time to the quality of the steel, the stuff that I do uh, a lot of times it's very, very fine work. Right. But there's a lot of times where I am breaking a fastener uh, with a uh, with a tool, and you have to have it done. You can't just walk away. And so the high quality of the tools that I use 
is really what drove my love for the types of tools that you see on my story. The steel is a perfect Rockwell hardness. Uh, it's that combination between having a, uh, a good enough grip on it that it doesn't wear down fast, but yet at the same time, having enough malleability that it doesn't snap. A lot of it's OCD, but they're, and the manufacturers know this. I mean, it's obvious. You look at the uh, tooling in terms of the uh, color and the layout today versus what it was 20 years ago, radically different. Mm -hmm. And the, the manufacturers know this. They are putting out tools with flashier colors and with, um, you know, more features on them that kind of appeal to that visual interest as well as the actual function of the tool. And so it is, it, it's a thing, you know, the, the tool point where the guys just drool over the latest, greatest, um, yeah, it, it happens. So I kind of feel like maybe you're telling me that Harbor Freight isn't the best place for me to uh, pick up my tools. Actually, uh, I have a lot of Harbor Freight stuff. Yeah, the rule I apply for Harbor Freight, generally speaking, is mm -hmm. if it is a tool that I'm going to use once or twice and probably never use again, I'll buy it from Harbor Freight. I feel bad because okay. uh, I am not supporting uh, North American uh, tools and the quality of labor that occurs in North America. But on the other hand, if I'm going to have a tool and throw it away or you know, basically pitch it on the secondary market, then why not buy a cheap one to start with? Um, if it's a tool, if it's something that I'm going to use every day, uh, it's like my phone choice, right? Um, I mm -hmm. use an iPhone because it's a good quality device. Um, I use a Mac as my computer. It's a good quality device. <laughs> my vehicles, they're, they are Hondas, uh, they're Toyotas because they're good quality, right? They're going to last. Mm -hmm. The hand tools that I use every day, they're primarily German hand tools because they're going to last a very long time. And when I'm doing a job, I don't have to worry about them failing uh, because right. even if you've got a great warranty on something, if you have to replace that thing three or four times, who gives a crap? Right. You know, what I don't want to happen, I don't want the tool to fail in the first place. So I don't yeah, care about a warranty. Yeah. Give me the quality. Now, you live in an area that Ohio, I mean, am I wrong here? But Ohio used to be the home of some pretty darn good tool manufacturing back in the Very day. good. Very, yeah. very good tool manufacturing. There's still a few left. Yeah, it used to be the center of it. Uh, right in Pratt, um, in terms of machine tooling, uh, Cincinnati was pretty much a world leader. And in fact, in some areas they still are, but for machine tooling and things of that nature, um, the area that I live in has a rich and storied history. Something that I'm curious about as a guy who doesn't really, you know, I'm just an average, uh, I would say my mechanical aptitude is very average. Back when I could, I would mostly work on my car, things like that. Um, I have a, a, an okay assortment of just basic everyday tools. Uh, but I always felt like, uh, and I'm 49, I'm your age. Uh, I still always felt that maybe it's just, you know, being out in Northern California, that I was a generation that just didn't have nearly as much sort of hand tool and craft knowledge uh, as the generations before. I've read up different yeah. theories on that. I've read that the generation that came back from World War II, they learned a lot of skills, you know, that they would teach their kids. You know, my, my father was in World War II, but I don't know that he learned any skills in a submarine that really, you know, he could come back and teach me. Are you seeing that in your part of the country or is that just a California thing? I, I'm no, also man. generalizing when I kind of feel like everybody back east, they still don't know how to make stuff. No, no, I, it's actually a, it's a thing. It's starting to turn a little bit. I think a lot of it's uh, economically driven. Um, mm -hmm. But no, um, our generation was 
kind of the tail end of the uh, so history of schools. Um, so you had uh, traditionally in schools, even if you weren't going to end up going into the trades, you still were exposed to a shop class, right? Yeah, we had shop. So about the time shop. that no shop. yeah, yeah, by the time you and I came along, if it was even available in school, it was an option, right? Yeah. It was no longer part of what you were going to do. Um, so you know, back in the day, our parents' generation, they had shop because that was part of what you were going to do. So they were all exposed to it in some degree. Um, but, you know, when we came along, that was on its way out. And uh, a lot of the schools just didn't even have the program, much less making it, making it a mandatory thing. So, you know, I think that our generations lost it. And then the one behind us, even worse so. Uh, this one, you know, is starting to come back to it because they're more interested in kind of developing those skills again. At least it seems. Um, yeah, when I look at your Instagram small page, I, I see a number of, and I click on people just that are, you know, interesting. Um, I see a number of, of young men and women who are super proud. They're super proud that they're getting their certifications uh, that they're training up uh, as electricians uh, in different types of varying fields visit your your feed. That's interesting. I'm just wondering, is that a movement or is this isolated just to the lower 48 Instagram feed? No, I think it is a movement. It's a very small movement, um, yeah. but it, it is a movement back towards the craft. Um, and I think certainly my followers and the circle that I'm kind of running in um, mm-hmm. It's probably pretty heavy on that because that, again, goes back to my philosophy of quality first, right? Craft yeah. is first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, some of it's the, the sphere that I'm operating in, but I'm hearing it on the ground, so to speak, as well, not just in the Instagram world. Um, right. But I sure hope so. That, yeah, I do too. Um, I think that the world is big enough and that there is, I think, enough opportunity that there should be a section of our society and our population that continues that tradition. I think because to lose it would be a, a crime, uh, you know, if it were to go away entirely. Well, we would also lose the ability to fix a lot of things. Correct. You know, because in our built society, uh, at least in the States, is needs a lot of fixing. There's a lot of bridges. There's a lot of buildings. There's a lot of yeah. um, power plants, nuclear power plants that are uh, in and, a tough spot, according to engineering surveys. Yeah. And you, I know you and I kind of agree about this is that, uh, you know, with automobiles, uh, I don't view an automobile as disposable. A lot of people do, and that's fine, mm-hmm. but I tend to purchase a car and keep it. And, yeah, uh, you know, I keep it as long as it's economically viable to do so. So during that process of that car's lifetime, there's a need for repair. Uh, there's one of the followers that uh, I positively love, uh, and I follow him, uh, and Instagram uh, is a mechanic up in Canada. And uh, just watching him work on the Mercedes and pull stuff apart uh, thrills my soul because, you know, this is a guy that day in, day out, I mean, they're going through a ton of cars and they're keeping them going, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's worth it, right? It's a quality product that's worth keeping. So if you're going to do a shout out, what's, what's the, uh, do you know, do you remember the username? Um, Industrial athlete, industrial athlete. Yeah. He's, he's really something cool, but I had a lot of issues with, with my car. Uh, it happens to be a Chrysler, but it was all made in Germany. And uh, mm-hmm. I found out something very new through that process, which is that the Germans for years have used wiring that is actually soy-based. Or not soy-based. Um, it's vegetable-based. I don't remember if it's soy or not, but 
the point is uh, German cars are very susceptible to mice because they're attracted to that uh, that food that's on the wiring. Who knew? Yeah. So, you know, that was something that I learned from him, but I I love watching his process of, and I have no idea what he's doing most of the time because I am not a mechanic, but Mm -hmm. I love the fact that, you know, I can watch him repair and bring these cars back to life and because it's worth it. Right. Yeah. You don't have to throw it away. Uh, Just because it needs some repair doesn't mean that it's, you know, a goner. There comes a point where it is, but, um, you know, I think that a lot of times we live in a throwaway society. We just want to get rid of things and uh, move on to the newest, latest, greatest, whatever. And so I appreciate those guys and gals who are out there keeping the old things going that are worth going, you know? I agree. And I think a lot of us just forget. We forget that we can, um, unless they're sneakers, but we can have our shoes resold. You know, sure. And they'll last. I have I have boots that I've had for twenty years. They look fantastic. They look better because they have that worn patina. Uh, and they're still, yeah, they look fantastic. You know, and I have a backpack right now that I'm really sad because it's it's beyond repair, and it's a good backpack. And you know, to me, a backpack is something that should last a decade or two of daily wear. You know, it really should. I don't need to update my backpack to make it current and cool. And you know, maybe it has like a RFID sleeve or a you know, a right, charger right. built into it. Man, man, it's a backpack. It should last for a decade. You know, this one's uh, got six years and I'm going to have to retire it by a new one. But I feel some guilt because I'm thinking, well, maybe there's somebody out there that could figure out a way to repair this thing, right? But it's going to cost me, I, I just know, you know, the leather work and all that stuff would cost me way more than it's worth. Although, you know, if I really believe in using things for a long time, maybe it's okay to, to spend more than you would think. It's like a car. You might buy a car for 25,000, but by the time you're done with it 10 years later, it might have, you know, you probably put 50, 60, 70,000 into that car. And do you ever really See, worry about that so much? Not really. Here's the cool thing about this, right? So it's a leather bag, you said? Yeah, it, it partially. Yeah. It's leather and, and ballistic material. Okay, yeah. So the cool thing is if you find a leather maker, right? So if you go buy a new bag, number one, good luck on finding one that's made in America. Right. Um, you might, right? But the odds are it's it's tough. If you take that bag to a local leather shop, almost 100% of what you pay is going right back into that family's pocket. It's Absolutely. going right into that community, right? Yeah. So if you pay, you know, 200 bucks to have the bag repaired and you would have paid 250 for a new one. Okay, maybe at that point you're thinking, yeah, it's time to pitch it. But on the other hand, you've just injected $200 back into the local economy a hundred percent rather than distributing it to a manufacturing partner in China or shipping company in uh, Malaysia. uh, It's just a completely different, you know, it's an economic thought process. You're absolutely right. Especially during COVID. I want to talk also about, you know, we kind of skirted around the whole society of underground vices, the tool porn. That's okay. I just want to say it's out there folks. Tool porn (laughs) is something that is out there and it's it's okay for your kids to get into I would I, I consider lower 48's Instagram feed sort of a it's sort of a uh, a gateway it, it's, it's a gateway <laughs> feed all right it's not a the full money all right yeah 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 but you can go from there in one or two clicks into a world you never knew you guys and and gals out there with your your tool porn shots whose feeds I have examined you made me feel horrible about my toolbox. I do want to say that. And I, I mentioned oh my this God, really? before, Chris. Yeah. No, I mentioned it. Yeah, I, remember yeah. I, t- I took a picture of, of my, 
of my weird old toolbox when I was moving. I said, this is what I have, and it's yeah, but I it's freaking disorganized. Love <laughs> yeah, so I need to treat my tools better. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, yes, I'm feeling some shame. Yes. So no, you, you about, should treat your tools better. But but yeah, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, you know what? Um, make do with what you have. Yeah. Plan on increasing the quality of your uh, tools. Uh, don't don't just go. Okay, I'm going to go buy this whole set of X Y Z. Instead, think about what it is that you need to use uh, and go buy and go buy quality. Buy the most expensive one that you can afford. And I mean afford, not take it out on credit. I mean afford it yeah. and uh, do that consistently. And in the end of your life, you'll pass down tools that will be here five, 10 generations from now. And uh, mm-hmm. that, that to me is more important about whether or not you have the latest or greatest. So, so keep right. good for you for keeping the old box, man. I have my, I have his old toolbox that it was his dad's old little you know those little black toolboxes that oh, yeah. look like the size of a lunchbox from the late yep. 1800s or whatever so then it was my dad's lunchbox it was his dad's little toolbox his dad was a contractor and uh i still have that it's my shoe my shoe shine kit now perfect that's another thing you can do folks you can shine your Repurpose. shoes yeah Absolutely. shiny shoes makes them look beautiful for a long time and it's kind of a meditative thing to do as well uh, making your shoes look good. Uh, not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it for your Nikes or something like that, you know, or no, Adidas, but no. you know, if you have get a good pair of work boots, boots. Yeah. Them, yeah, yeah, it's a thing. It I, is a thing. I haven't done it in a while, but uh, for a long time, uh, I used to spend Sunday night and I had put it on Instagram. I still do it. I just haven't put it on Instagram, but I go through the process of shining shoes and it's really cool. A lot of guys that come out of the woodwork one, man, that's really awesome. I didn't even know how to shine shoes. Uh, which blew my mind. But, you know, when I was a kid, my father made me shine his shoes, uh, which is, you know, child abuse today. But the cool thing was I know how to shine shoes. Uh, I've gotten actually much better because some guys that were in the military showed me all kinds of cool tricks to kind of shortcut that process. And uh, it's a very good thing to do. It's meditative. It protects your investment and, uh, you know, uh, keep something alive that otherwise would go in the landfill, right? These small things we can do for a feeling of accomplishment. If you're listening Absolutely. to this and you're bored, like they're talking about shoe shine and tool porn. Oh my God. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a bigger theme here. I'm going to go even deeper on this. Like I have a jacket I've had for 15 years and it's a cotton, waxed cotton jacket. So waxed cotton is one of the original ways that they would, um, uh, you know, duck fat and stuff to make yeah. uh, waterproof preserve. garments, right? In, in uh, rainy places like Scotland and, and things like that. So I have a wax cotton jacket and every now and then, every five years or so, it needs to be re-waxed because otherwise it just becomes a cotton jacket. Uh, and that process is, is kind of a process. You need like a little heat gun or a hairdryer if you don't have a heat gun. And you, you, you melt this wax, you, you apply it, and it's a little bit maddening because there is, a, there is a, not an art, but there's a craft to it. It takes me a few days to get it down. Um, layers and things like that and when you're done no you i didn't make that jacket i did not make that jacket that jacket was made by people in new york a long time ago it's a great jacket but i redid it and it makes me feel more connected to that to that uh or maybe it's a coat which one's heavier coats are heavier it's a coat you guys all have jackets in california by the way so you don't know what a real coat is 
Uh, Come on, man. It's a lot colder up in northern, northern California, up above the Bay Area than you would think. Every every time I'm out there and it's like 50 degrees, people are in uh, down out there, you know? It kind of freaks me out, to be honest. So there is down out here because everybody in Silicon Valley wears Patagonia jackets. Yeah, I know. I think it's a good look. And it's like, it's it's not a good look, guys. Maybe that doesn't sound super nice, but it's not a good look. The wrinkly Patagonia black jacket, come on. Like, it's a it's a fine look. It's whatever people want to do, yeah. but it does crack me up. You're so I, much I will nice say that. Than I am. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so the connection of of working on things, you know, is yeah. is a cool thing. Even the small things, like kids, give them pencils and pencil sharpeners. There's a connection to that pencil. They have to work through it, and the lead gets dull. And we're losing those kind of things. You know, if you have we kids, are. get them pencils and a pencil sharpener. I know that sounds dumb. Maybe it is, but just do it. I don't want to forget, you give away a lot of stuff. So I want to do a giveaway. I want to do a giveaway to your, your followers. All right. So if you, if you're a follower of lower 48, there's no way to prove it, but whatever, honor system. And you want a little super nice swag? Just, uh, just text me, just text, uh, um, what lower 48 to three one zero. Something, 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 something. There's only a few choices. You'll figure <laughs> it'll it out. Be in, it'll, it'll be in the, uh, in the, in the field, right? 310 uh, That's my community um, text line. 310 Text lower 48 to that number, and uh, I'll put something in the mail for you. There might be a number of you, so it might take me a little bit to get them all in the mail, uh, but I will. And you'll have uh, probably a stamp for my dad's old stamp collection on there. Everything at Super Nice Club is, is done by hand. All right. I love uh, that. As much I as I can. Catch that. that, folks. So we wrap this up usually with a couple of things. One is the Super Nice Challenge. The Super Nice Challenge is something that you, the honored guest, the hallowed guest, uh, propose that, that people listening to this can do to just make their world a little bit nicer. It can be something simple. It can be something um, incredibly difficult, like building a you know, life-size cathedral out of uh, Tinker Toys vintage. I don't know. It's up to you. What do you got? Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. My super nice challenge is this. Um, and I stole this uh, from an Instagram follower that came on with me pretty early. And uh, mm-hmm. One day I was uh, watching her stories and uh, she dropped it up on the top. She's like, yeah, you know what? She goes, uh, when I engage in conversation, she said, I've stopped saying, how are you doing? She said, mm-hmm. instead I say, hey, it's nice to see you. Tell me something good today. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh? Uh, I had to think about that for a second. But then I started doing that myself. Mm-hmm. And you talk about engaging conversation instead of the pat polite answer that we may be uh, tempted to respond with which is i'm fine how are you right and then we respond back with i'm fine instead actually making someone think about something good uh encourages real dialogue and conversation between people Uh, so that's my challenge is that uh engage somebody in a a real dialogue and uh if the tell me something good doesn't feel comfortable for you that's cool uh find your own way but uh but yeah tell me something good so Tell me something good. All right. I like it. So that's your challenge, folks. Um, next time you tell come me up somebody, good, instead of something, I'll tell you something. I will tell you <laughs> tell something, something good. good. I'll tell you something good. Um, I heard some, I'm pretty sure I heard some raptors making a racket behind you a little while yes. ago. Yes, you did. And 
I, I love that. I love hearing that. I had a lot more bird background when I lived up in Sonoma County. I moved down here to uh, just above LA. Still birds, surprising amount, but not the variety of birds. Uh, and and I'm, none of the I'm little construction hawks and the different things that would be around all the time. So it was really neat to hear those birds about 10 minutes ago behind you. Have yeah. putting up a ruckus. You heard uh, my pair of uh, red, red tail and then uh, the yeah. Cooper's hawk was earlier in the conversation. Yeah. They're up on the north end of the farm. So, yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool. So that's my good. And then the last thing is you get to ask a question of me. Yeah. So, um, let her rip. Hey, you got so, a question? Yeah, I do. Um, because, okay. And I'm sorry because I actually meant to send you a more detailed email, but we're going to have the conversation anyway. So maybe other people will hear it and get interested in it. But Tell me more about this, uh, this people live here thing. Um, I really want to know more about that. Oh, oh, humans live here. Phew. Yeah, Thank man. You. I thought you were going to ask me about details about a post that I posted, a reply to a no, post no, on your, no, no, uh, man. yesterday. Yeah. This is crazy. And you're like, I got to hear that story sometime. <laughs> okay. No, so no. the human, thank you. The humans live here project is something that, that launched yesterday. Yesterday being the, dear God, is today the 23rd? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Only till midnight though. That's September. Yeah, I know. It's always that pressure. HK ends with this pressure that's going to be gone forever. Um, launched yesterday. Uh, and that is something that it's just this concept, you know, living in California, everywhere along the West coast, there are a lot of unsheltered humans, a lot of people uh, that don't have permanent places to live. Uh, the Super Nice Club has gotten involved with this uh, societal challenge before. This is just the latest take. Um, and, you know, I don't, this isn't the time. We'll have a guest on to discuss this, to really get into all of the different permutations of unsheltered, right? Uh, there's a lot of fear and fear mongering out there around people. Um, and there are a lot of true stories of crime and drug use uh, and addiction. There are a lot of true stories of crime and drug use and addiction among people that live in homes as well, right? So uh, instead, the Super Nice Club is choosing to focus on the real simple thing, the apolitical thing, which is that, you know, we're all humans, right? Every one of us are humans, and it can be really easy to sort of overlook that in the moment. You know, when you have a lot of pride in where you live in your town and you look over and you see a bunch of terrible looking tents and people hanging out of them and you think, oh, that's awful. Look at, look at those homeless, right? And in that moment, you've dehumanized, accidentally probably. Uh, but yeah. in that moment, you've dehumanized, you've forgotten that these are sons and daughters and moms and dads and a lot of them are veterans. A lot of these are U.S. veterans who came back um, with real issues, real PTSD issues, real physical issues that didn't pop up oftentimes for years after, at least weren't diagnosed and have been left out in the cold, literally. You know, it's a, it's a shame and it's not a political thing. You know, both quote unquote parties are, are just as responsible for this. Um, and when you are dismissing all of these people, you're dismissing the humanity, you're dismissing the service that many of them have provided. And so the humans live here all it really is at this point is it's, it's like a political yard sign. You know, it's a 18 inch by 12. It's like the kind of the, that are out there right now that say, um, who's running right now? Gary Hart and Reagan. I don't remember who's running right now for president. Um, but those yard signs that you see everywhere, 
And it's to remind folks, one, if you see that on a, on a tent or on a cart or just above a sleeping bag, that's a human being living there, all right? The flip side of it is I want those signs to also be up like there's, you know, in front of my house, right? In front of people who do have shelter, nice shelter. It's, it's to remind people there's humans here, there's humans there, and that connectivity. It's a little bit naive, We're all human, perhaps, man. Yeah, no, it's, to assume that people are going to make that connection unless a lot of super nice club members reach out and say, hey, I want to get involved. I want signs. I want to take them and have conversations with the unsheltered in my community. And those conversations are difficult, you know, especially if you're on your own and you approach uh, people that, you know, in a row of tents and you're like, hey, I just kind of want to be a good Samaritan here. That's hard. It's scary. There's uncertainty around it. It's a challenge. You know, I, I don't think that everybody is cut out to do that. And I don't oh, recommend man. that everybody does that. But for those that are, or for those that are already working maybe with a church group or that are working with another organization that helps uh, with the unsheltered. It's just another arrow in the quiver. That's all it is. It's all it's meant to yeah. be. Um, and I want to see how it goes. I had a really, um, I parked across the street from a big row of tents uh, just the other day here in Los Angeles, 30 tents. They're all identical. They all have American flags on the outside of them. And they're all on the other side of a, of a wrought iron fence that is uh, probably forged in Ohio. And uh, it's a VA property, all right? And it was supposed to be as deeded in 1887 to the veterans. Long story short, the city has not been treating that properly, property correctly. They've been leasing that to other people. It has not been going to the veterans. The lawsuit is finally then, in favor of the vets. Um, I'm sure this will travel to the courts for a while. This is the most organized row of tents you can find. And these are all veterans inside them who are used to living organized lives. Okay, so when you get a peek inside these tents, they're, they're pretty much ship shape, a lot of them. And yet, I was just like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm going to walk over there. There's COVID. They're oh, going to yeah. think, who's this, who's this, you know. You're going to get knifed. Middle right. class white guy, right. You know, I walked over there, I started talking to these people who were fantastic. And within a few minutes, this two uh, young women pulled up in their old car and they got out and they started offering laundry services to anybody there, Right. Like, hey, you need laundry done, we'll take care of it, we'll bring it back. Somebody else came by from an organization with garbage bags, which is what the unsheltered were saying, that's what we need the most. We need garbage bags so that we can cleanly take care of our garbage and take it to, you know, down the street. Somebody pushed back on me yesterday and said, well, why are they doing laundry service? You know, if, if people are allowed to do their own uh, laundry, that's, you know, these small tasks can be fulfilling and, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be um, disempowering them by doing their dirty clothes for them, right? And I, I get where that's coming from in a bootstrap kind of world and mentality, but it overlooks and the fact costs that, money too. Yeah, they're overlooking the fact that it costs money, that a lot of these folks don't have vehicles to get across town, yeah. uh, that a lot of laundromats don't want them in there, yep. you know, because they generalize. Also, that even though some of these men and women look burly and strong, they're debilitated. They have degenerative yeah. back issues. There are things they can't do. And there are elderly unsheltered that simply can't do it. They can't get across town with a big pile of clothes. So this is a real help. And furthermore, there are a number of the people there that said, no, I'm good. I can take care of my own laundry. Right on. You know? So, and again, that's just another facet, getting out there and talking to the people and learning this stuff. Everything I just said to you about the VA building, about the laundry, 
uh, about the garbage bags. About, that's just because I spent 15 minutes with this one group of people one time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be bringing garbage bags. I'm going to be bringing, I have a, a bug out kit that has extra propane tanks. One of them needs some propane. I'll be bringing that stuff over in the next couple of days. Yeah, because now um, you're aware. Now I'm aware of what they need, right? And I have a surplus of what they need that's just sitting yep. in my garage doing nothing. And I hate stuff that sits in occupied space doing nothing. I give it away. If, it's, if something that I own is sitting without purpose for a long enough time and somebody else comes along and says, ooh, I like that, it's theirs. Yeah, it's I a Marie Kondo moment, right? If it so doesn't bring things. you joy, right? Oh, yeah. I don't, yeah, she makes me laugh. Um, me too. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's cool, man. Uh, yeah, so that's I what like it is. It. You know, if okay. you're interested in it, if you're listening I to my long-winded uh, response here, just reach out to the Super Nice Club. We ordered, you know, a handful of signs from a sign company. Uh, you know, at, at, at the at the small volume we did, they were they're pretty expensive. But if we can get enough people interested in them, you know, we can order more. Maybe groups in different towns can put in orders. Well, I, or just I'm definitely interested, PDFs. man. I'll, I'll send out the artwork to anybody who just wants to print it out. This isn't a Sweet. It does have the super nice club logo on there. I just think it's kind of a joyful little stamp. But this it isn't is. a thing that, that, that the super nice club doesn't need to be involved. You could take the logo off. You can redesign the idea. You know, humans live here. We don't own it. We're just trying to put it out there. Right so that's, uh, that's what it is. And I appreciate you asking about it. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm definitely interested. So, uh, yeah, hit me up about it. Let's chat more. All right. And thanks. Hey. Thanks for being on here. Thanks for dealing with the technical difficulties. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I hope this Absolutely sounds all right. Again, if you are Thank a you. fan of this man, Chris Davis and Lower 48, <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening to the Super Nice Club. I hope you're interested in, in becoming part it's of the club. If you're I'm not the community. You should, I am, and I yeah. freaking love it. That community thing you did, it's awesome. I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the cat's meow right there. So. All right. Well, um, Chris, was, thanks again chat, for being man. on here. Thank you for your time and uh, a little bit really. of insight into your greater world. And we will uh, talk again. You bet. We'll see you. There you go. There you have it. There we have it. A super nice conversation with Chris Davis, a.k.a. Lower underscore 48. Lower 48. Love that guy. And his approach and his insights... I find them valuable. I've, I've employed them at Super Nice Club. I have to some success, I might say, in that uh, he's just a great reminder to be real, to be real, not to be afraid of being real. Sometimes we get a little concerned with what we put out there on social media, like, is it sellable? You know, is that, is that, is that brand consistent? Forget about that. On brand, off brand, just be you. You know, sometimes we have good days, sometimes we have bad days. When I record these outros and these intros, sometimes they're good and kind of witty. Sometimes they're terrible. Whatever. They're just, they are what they are. So don't be afraid of being what you are and who you are. All right. Anyway, um, that's it. Love you guys. Stay nice.
Just wanna be nice